Oh, here he comes. <laughs> I was just about to say hello to the folks where the man turns up buying on the money. <laughs> here he comes to save the day. <laughs> yeah. So, let's see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Moosefucker, Craig hey. Campbell. <laughs> How are you doing, mate? The, the name Moosefucker, did you pick it up off the, what do you call him, Jerry Sadowich, when he, when he went to, uh, yeah, what do you call it, Montreal? Montreal. Aye. Yeah, Montreal. And got, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got punched by the, um, I, I, what can we call them anymore, Billy, a uh, lady who likes ladies in the night, who's quite masculine, uh, yeah. uh, masculine, my apologies, uh, uh, throttled him after he said that. Uh, that's that's as the story goes, by the way, whether or not that's um, exactly what happened. But I, I believe it was something along the lines of uh, low moosefuckers. And then, uh, right, exactly. and, and then <laughs> seconds later, he was being pummeled by one of our local women folk, yeah. as, as far as I know it. Uh, mine came from uh, the Backyard Comedy Club in Bethnal Green, where I was uh, heckled by a New Zealander confident on his... Um, on his OE, on his overseas experience holiday. And uh, I uh, pointed out that um, uh, I'm from a country that, uh, that fucks quite a, a larger animal than a sheep. <laughs> and, then, and then the, uh, the uh, East End audience found that uh, uh, hilarious, Billy. They really enjoyed that comeback. And, uh, and then it uh, was a mainstay and stuck with me for uh, forever. And then I just thought, you know, with what I get up to, I prefer a nickname, Bill. Yeah. And also, <laughs> it's quite out there and, you know, you know what to expect when you arrive in your Twitter feed. <laughs> it's, re it's really hard to negotiate after that. <laughs> Moosefucker called me a cunt. How, is, <laughs> how, how, how could that have happened? I don't, I can't connect the dots there. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a tiny bit uh, happy to have the, uh, the the understanding at the outset be quite caustic. Yeah, sure. Well, basically, you're a stand-up comedian, and uh, a lot of comedy, even in the clubs, was getting sanitized. But certainly on TV, you don't get that kind of stuff. But you were you preferred the live element. That's where comedy works, obviously. Yeah, I think, you know, I, it's probably a crutch for me because of the environments that I've invariably played. And as you've mentioned, uh, you know, probably lent myself towards playing. But, you know, I, I, I like uh, it's one of my favorite things about Scotland, the uh, predominance of uh, the preponderance, sorry, of, um, of, of fuckity fuck, 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 you know, Just, uh, like uh, fuck being the only word of an entire paragraph, you know, is is uh, is just all right. And nobody has to get scared and nobody has to get tense. And, you know, it's just like uh, I, I consider it a well, it's not the tenant of the freedom of speech that, you know, I, I know you're curious in, in uh, keeping aloft as I am also. But um, but regardless, it's a uh, you know, it's an it's an element of it that profanity is just one of those things that, you know, over centuries and eons has been uh, discriminated against by by pious, you know, members of our society. It doesn't matter. We can parse who's 
who's you know vying for control now but certainly in in times of the past there's very much been that uh you know i, I feel like i don't know how you um how you express yourself anymore billy but uh like i uh, i i certainly consider myself a construct of of the people that i admire the most and um and i've received a lot of you know philosophical uh, support along the way but i find when i'm explaining something as to how i feel about it to you that i'm just like quoting a friend who who gave me the the verbiage to describe what i'm trying to talk about but there's a, a mutual friend of many comedians that will be recognized a fellow named dan dunn in toronto ontario canada and uh, he's always been on the fringes of comedy he's one of those guys that just like you know you i'm sure you have in your own uh, uh you know, pool of, of talent, uh, people who are just like incredibly funny, incredibly talented, but like just can't keep their shit together for 20 <laughs> minutes long enough to be in the right place at the right time to be able to do another show or, you know, to meet up to actually gig professionally or in this fella's case to sell enough uh, or to buy enough piss to make sure that he gets through his uh, his driving exam you know <laughs> just like uh, the um the the fringes of society he's uh, he's a, he's he's taught me the um the uh, uh the benefits although i've not employed them myself but um he's a when it comes to like rolling in the mud with men, he's that, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's, he is a fighter, but he's like, you know, he gets beat up a lot is what I'm trying to put across to you. But um, he's uh, expressed to me the virtues of biting. He's that, he's that kind of guy. You know, people just, they're not, they're not ready for it to go to that place. And, uh, and it really changes, or you know, a, a, a dust up in the parking lot when someone thinks you're going to try to eat them, you know? And, yeah. uh, so he's always told me, and I've always uh, much appreciated that um, you, you, the church has always wanted their hands on your cock, you know, and that's sort of the subtext of we can parse what all the cack is about whether or not you're allowed to say this and that or where you're able to or being just you know shushed by people to sort of give uh, 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 an excuse for domination there's that you know it's a pretty horrible thing prohibition empowers all the wrong people as i'm sure you're aware you know just so there's just a tiny bit of escapism and in getting into a obviously a, a preferably a glasgow or a, you know a scottish basement and just knowing that um that fuck means absolutely no offense to anybody and uh and we're, of course, you know, I think that's a differentiation that a lot of Brits notice. Certainly, um, some Scots will have that. Um, that Canadians tend to have that affectation. Not not all of them, you know. There's like, there's all different stripes and all different, you know, cuts of jibs. But um, but there are a lot of uh, potty potty mouth Canadians. And and it's another bit of our, you know, again, it's a freedom of the culture. It's a bit of an expression of freedom that, you know, you're allowed to, because uh, you're not allowed in public, for example, right? You and I, you know, if we pop down to the town square and we're, uh, we're catching the focus of authority and we happen to swear a lot during that exchange, it's, you know, it's a, a, a reason to be put in the van, right? So, you know, it's uh, I, I'm very acutely aware of the control of language, and I think you will be as well in remembering uh, when when Scots were prevented from uh, pleading I or using I A Y E in court that, you know, it, it was no longer uh, 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 legally uh, a word that could be supplanted with yes. 
you know, and, and of course, that yeah, how domineering is that? You're supposed to be treated fairly in court, and there you are being told what language you're even allowed to respond in. So, to, you know, we, we again, we can we can make it seem like it's a light topic, but it's just, it's fucking not. Fuck. You don't like my fucks? Fuck you. Sorry. Sorry that bothers you. But uh, it's uh, the only word I could think of at the time. While you're fucking off. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's a guest to a lady in the chat here, Julie uh, Freeman, who I'm going to have as a guest. Oh, yeah. oh, going to have her as a guest tomorrow night. She was in the Jehovah nice. Witness, Jehovah oh, Witness, yeah. for 39 Jesus. years. Oh goodness! So, One she, of the 144,000. <laughs> <laughs> she's a on. <laughs> So she's listening to me, and when she first heard me, she was shocked at my potty mouth, but now. She's beginning to let the odd swear word goes go and feels quite, you know, relieved for being yeah, able to sure. do that. Because they're very much, um, you know, frowned upon if you swore in that cult. Basically, you're all kicked out and things like this. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, cancelled. Sounds crazy. Cancelled for your pie. Of course, it's utterly insane. But uh, you're right. It's the world that we're in, isn't it? It's uh, it's a funny one. It's I've you know I'm sure as you have been uh, been subject to people who. Um, who just really like tell you you can't, you know, as performers, as comedians, like you know, no swearing to oh, yeah. It's like okay, no, no show, fuckface. Like, and if they don't laugh at that, then there's no show, fuckface. That's like, you know, what are you gonna do? Huh. Yeah, I was had a gig in an Irish bar once, and uh, it was told beforehand that I'm not allowed to use the word cunt, and I thought, right. fucking hell, no, there no. You go. <laughs> so I'm the only one. So now, now it's discrimination. I mean, no cunts in an Irish bar. That's like no pedos in the Vatican. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, how have you been keeping in general? What have you been up to? Uh, getting my uh, my bicycle rolling again. So that's really nice. And uh, so I've got an, uh, an alternative to just long walks as uh, exercises. The weather's been pretty, uh, pretty bonus. So I've enjoyed that. And... Um, Allows me to get my cardio up a little bit, and uh, you know, I, as you can see, as I'm sure you uh, similarly uh, aspire to in your own performances, it's fun to rant, Billy, oh, and rant takes <laughs> <the> wind. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so I've been uh, in, enjoying a, a wee bit of that and making plans for the um, for the very near future with uh, with some of our other productions and. Uh, just uh, generally keeping um, creatively busy along the way, and uh, yeah, that, uh, reading reading nursery rhymes to to kids, you know. So you had a hip operation uh, not long ago. Has yes, that, that yeah. Slowly building up. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it's a real um, it's a real shot cowboy type of scenario, you know. It's. Uh, <laughs> It, it, that's uh, uh, reminiscent of that leading up to uh, to having a new one, and uh, and of course the recovery process isn't much different. So so that's why you know maybe I didn't underline how exciting it is to be on a bicycle. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. When every time you try and bring your foot out of the cleat, you just have an image of your leg coming off. You know, <laughs> you gotta. It's, it's all your leg running beside you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there's there's no reason to rule that out i had the um i had the doctor uh well i tried to get a hold of the the femur head after the op and uh, yeah yeah that's uh, that's the look he gave me billy no it wasn't actually he'd heard the heard the request before but um he said i i uh i stressed this is exactly that he said he said no we can't do that wait <laughs> anymore 
caught me right <laughs> off guard. Just the images that go into your head as to all the reasons they don't give you the bits they saw out of you anymore. <laughs> So, so yeah, apparently, uh, apparently, to save a lot of random crime scene investigations that go nowhere for no reason, they uh, they don't let you take a doggy bag anymore. So so of course I deferred to the next. You know, hey, can I uh, take a picture of it? And he said no, but I will show it to you. <laughs> so you can't imagine anything more macabre in your life, Billy. With all of the with all of the Robbie Barron's bones punks you can possibly get a hold of, including Halloween, the long one. You will never ever be as freaked out as being kind of I, I it's an odd one actually, because I was about to tell you that I was like half awake or like like drowsy, but in honesty, like I, I woke up three times during the procedure, which was odd in itself. But what I'm about to tell you now, like I was very clear eyed, like whether I was, you know, that you might even argue yourself, you're like bleary eyed in the morning or, you know, like a bit half cut or whatever. Like I, through whatever uh, mental uh, 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 curtain was was over me, I have very very clear memories of the head of my femur, you know, just quite close to my nose, and it wow. was uh, <laughs> wow. Hold hold the porridge. We're gonna have to delay breakfast this morning. Whoa! I was just like, don't you got some varicose titties? You can. <laughs> <laughs> It almost made me wiggle off the gurney. So yeah, it was uh, it was pretty uh, pretty cool that way. So I thought you would be showing you this after the operation, but you're saying it was during the operation. Yeah, well, right at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they they yeah at the very end, as they like uh, as he was going to take off the gloves, he he brought over the uh, the bit out of the um, out of the the, uh, the uh, what, what I'm trying to think of the the term in a. Um, in a uh, carpenter's shop, like uh, the odd ends, you know, the odd end cuts <laughs> in there with a bunch of ribs and spare fingers <laughs> pooling around. So yeah, it was, uh, it was way, and this might've been a distortion of my state of mind, but it, it seemed pretty big. Like maybe, maybe I was seeing in fisheye or something, but uh, it was like, it was an imposing femur head. It looked like uh, an alabaster tit, which, not you know alabaster tits hey we can we can all enjoy that but a varicose alabaster tit so it had like real strong pronounced white but it also just had like a, a, a venous structure through it or a venous structure through it that was really like a, a, a bleeding piece of meat billy it was a, it was a grim looking thing but um but it's exactly how it felt for like going into nearly like six years if not a bit more than that so, so it didn't look in a good condition. No, the anesthesiologist told me that I was the uh, the hungriest to get under under uh, um, uh, the gas of anyone he'd ever dealt with. So the, the, the hungriest. Yeah, in terms of like sucking the gas to like, oh, right. where's that? how can I go out now? And he's just like, wow, people aren't normally that keen to be put asleep. And I'm just like, get this out of me. Or I'll do it. I'll do it in front of you. And you don't want none of you want that. Okay, gas this guy. It was, pretty, uh, it was a fun, fun compliment to receive. I was pretty shocked by it. I was actually put under anaesthetic. I had an operation on my spine and they got a needle. Oh, here you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> needle spine. Yeah, so <laughs> they did remove the hernia and they did let me take it home with me. 
the uh, actual bits of my body. But I woke up at the end of it, and there was a nurse there, and you know, just still very gassed. Whatever, I asked her if she'd give me a cuddle, and she refused. And another nurse refused. And then I had to ask this guy. Then this guy gave me a cuddle, and then, <laughs> and then I passed it again. <laughs> That's perfect. That's no, it was there. <laughs> I wonder if it was if it was a bit of. Uh, I wonder if there's nitrous oxide involved because I I um a hideous story for your listeners here, but uh, I was. I was freaked out and then saved once by the um, uh, by the deja vu of anesthetic from a dentist trip when I was very, very young. It was very odd because uh, I uh, I'll take you now to the West Coast that you'll know very well, Oban, and then uh, off of Oban, uh, the the cozy little Isle of Mull. And yeah. uh, what a great place to do pills, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Mull is beautiful. Hey. You Many know, Scotland. Sure, well, you buy some beautiful bespoke cheddar, uh, cheddar cheese, and you know, see the see the uh, lovely seaside town, and then just uh, insult the locals by just getting ripped out of your skull with some people that came back from the uh, show. And it was, um, I uh, I was expecting to um, to arrive on scene as as it were any moment from the um, from the imbibement. I was aware that I took it. And uh, uh, I, I was, you know, waiting to um, to really, really enjoy the Isle of Mull, and uh, and then just realized that I was slowly melting a puddle into my own shoes, and, and at the same time, it was a real horrible sensation because as that was happening, I was also realizing, oh, I wish I uh, had taken a piss about nine hours ago. So there I was on a couch belly with just like a, a through my my anesthetic i could feel the pain of my bladder but through my distorted reality i could not for the life of me figure out how i was going to get to the doorknob <laughs> let alone find a toilet in a place that wasn't mine and i'd only been in for a few minutes so i was just like and of course was hideously panicked because i i assumed that I was going to be like, you know, at least capable of going for a walk or enjoying my evening, right? So, so I was just in this like terror mode, Billy, of like, what have I taken in Scotland? How great! I'm gonna die because I'm taking street drugs at a party from a stranger on a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. What, a, what is wrong with me in my decision-making process? Ah! You know, so I've been in positions like that before. <laughs> I, I'll bet. So I'm freaking out, but I couldn't like I couldn't express anything. I was I was literally going into you know having to um, <laughs> pump the nostrils and you know time my breathing and really consider like how am I going to stay conscious here? And then just <laughs> in the in the midst of it, Billy, just when I thought, oh my god, I've taken like a fistful of fentanyl. How is this going to end? You know, do I keep blinking? How do I fight through this? You know, just uh, wanting to like slither away so I can go into the bay and have the water wake me up, you know, just like really going into a dive. And then Billy, it was just the strangest thing. I just realized, whoa, I'm on anesthetic. Someone's giving me, a, you know, and for the first time, I just realized, okay, I haven't like, I haven't taken something hideously dangerous. It's just much different than I thought it was going to be. And it was this sensation of, I think, you know, like a kind of a mushroomy, Haze, it, that sort of like heavy pastels, so I could see that there was some like effect on on the lighting in a favorable way, but I was also just too like numbed out to be able to react to it. 
Right. But it, uh, it of course was my, um, my, uh, experience with, uh, uh, what's the, what's the hideous, um, uh, horse track, Ketamine. All right. Of course. All right. Of course. Somebody had just like, uh, oh, you want know, Ketamine, you'll enjoy horse tranquilizer. Right. Why, why, yeah. why would I enjoy being tranquilized like a horse? Right. Who who demands that? You know? so, so it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty horrible thing to finally realize. I'm okay. It was the strangest sort of like you know. Uh, um, well, you don't know what you're thinking, basically. Yeah, yeah, abs- in, a, in a in a very pessimistic situation, I was just like, okay, I'm not dying at least. Wow. <laughs> but uh, but it was the dentist experience as a kid that made me realize it because I had no experience with like in a modern time with with tranquilizers, right? It's like. It, it ain't my high, I can tell you. you know, I like, I'm more, uh, how, how many micro dots did you put under your tongue kind of guy? You know, I'm, 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 I, I rarely ever fall asleep when I'm taking uh, an excursion with my friends. Yeah, it's like yeah. heroin, people say, you know, people get addicted to heroin. I don't understand the desire yeah. to ever take it, you know, like ketamine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take something like that. Even Valium. A lot of people mm. take that and go and drink, and you know I don't. Tramadol, similarly, yep, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Just like I, it's not my thing either. It's just too. <laughs> you know, like, uh, how was your evening? Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, I used to have a friend that used to go to every gig, taking Valium. That was Sunday all night, just like a wow. vegetable, you know. <laughs> yeah, I told it. I couldn't imagine it, man. In a public place, it would just be a nightmare. Totally, just drooling on yourself. <laughs> it's horrible. Have you heard of the band Caravan, an old 60s? I haven't. I haven't, no. We went to see them, and he had to basically get the keys off me and go back and sleep in my car during the gig. He was that cold. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I have the keys to your car? <laughs> At a concert. Right. Oh, it was horrible. But I, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, I even like tea and coffee. I like, I like you know, being uh, semi-alert anyway. So I've seen you do a couple of uh, live streams um, that you were still testing out the technical issues. Yes. How's that going? Yeah, great. Thanks. We actually looked at a, a couple of clips of that again last night and we're happy with it. You know, it's um, it's interesting to look at it from the point of view of like the audience member, which I, of course, don't get to see through a monitor through the through the live performance of it. So um, so it's a real it's an interesting thing to work out. But essentially, we're, um, you know, playing the uh, playing lockdowns by ear. And, uh, you know, when we're finally, as I assume, and I think you probably do as well, are told that we're not allowed out of our little, uh, you know, houses anymore or any further than this X or Y perimeter um, from our villages, then uh, it'll be, you know, back to um, to that production. So I, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm just uh, um, at that place where um, it's, uh, you know, doing any show is it just feels amazing billy it feels the same on the same level as like getting ready for uh for a normal show live you know you're like which it is live anyway because it's got the the time associated with it and and it's a live audience so it's a pretty um you, you know, do hear a bit of feedback with people laughing and some of it can be a bit distracting but yeah when you're doing live comedy you really need to see the audience and the reaction you know your comedy is like that it's not yeah just yeah. aligned you're delivering lines you're yeah. looking at the emotion and taking people and engaging with them so you're missing yeah. that element. 
Yeah, it's, you know, something that was really wicked for me that was a nice confirmation is like I'm I'm working with it on a on a much more uh, faint level rather than having that, you know, the, the live response. I'm working out of monitors, so I am getting that sort of collective response and then the recession of it as well for the obviously, you know, timing of what we're doing. And but at the same time, I delivered trying to th I, I wish I could quote the bit for you but I was like I was in the middle of one of my one of my long-winded stories Billy <laughs> you know, I was telling every idiosyncratic uh, element of something that they probably weren't that curious about to begin with but I, I'm going there one, Billy but that one about the bear it was just it was a good story but when you got to the bit where it said that you're in Australia and then someone says don't you think they were asking to go looking for a beer? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was fucking brilliant. That. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, it's one of my favorite. And you're like, that's more likely thing they're going to be looking for a beer, not a beer. Yeah. The guy in a fucking beer hunt. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was a, uh, an awesome time of my life. Absolutely. And an experience to boot. But um, yeah, it's, it was a moment like that where I was going through it. And and I I knew that I didn't get a response, Billy. It was really really wild in my head. I just thought like that, you know, didn't you know? You just think, why did that not hit? You know, you got that little uh, back of your head niggle, right? And then it was like maybe five seconds after that that uh, one of the um, hosts came in and just said, yeah, we've lost your sound. You know, uh, go back two seconds or 20 seconds or whatever it was but it was just like it was quite redeeming i just thought wow i can hear them you know it really like uh, gave me that indication that it's it is playable but right. it's um you know it's something that's uh quite a uh, quite a bit of technology to work with yeah so if you never had any feedback it'd be a million times harder basically oh i can't imagine doing it man uh, i can't imagine doing it no it's just you know it I just I couldn't be motivated I don't think you know it's it's like it's that whole and I think a big part of it as well is like having yourself there and having my friend Lee who you probably uh, heard from Manchester there and you know just having like ringers that I knew were like watching so that I knew that I could like interact on a, on a level of people in in the know you know essentially knowing what the what the challenges are from the side of the performer yeah. And it, it, you know, it was a curious uh, bit of it that you're, you're still like delivering for, you know, the whole audience, but you're, you're, you're delivering based on the response of what you can hear. So it's, so it's really symbiotic, I think, for me to, to at least know that, that whatever it, it seems like that odd thing that you're like holding on to noise from the ether you know you don't know whose laugh it is you yeah. can't see their eyes <laughs> but you know that they're like laughing in time with the story and it's like okay you, you know to, that's, to that's honest, perfect to be honest i did laugh out loud a few times but i'm not one even in a comedy club you know i kind of just observe like that and laughing in my head or paying attention maybe we're observing too much right as a comedian but, uh, but that's just so you could it's even harder i think to laugh when the distance with the the screen as well so you've done a really good job to transmit through the virtual thing i think I don't, that's per, that that's cool to hear billy that's really neat because i i was um i was really shocked at how fun and easy it was because i just uh maybe it's because i 
I tell a lot, though I'm not, you know, doing as I normally do when I'm speaking to you, just like run on one of my crazy like bear hunt type stories and take up 18 minute chunks of your show <laughs> while, I, while I'm telling, you know, what, what piece of fluff I saw. But, um, you know, that's uh, that's like what I really enjoy doing. And and I was just blown away how easy it is to do in that setting. Because I guess, you know, when I'm doing other other Zoom calls or our own show, that you're also like telling stories likewise. And there is some like crossover practice to stand up because I've spoken to other people. I don't know how you feel about it personally, but I've like invited, you know, people to um, to to uh, to a degree see the technology that we're up to and and a couple of them who've intimated to me they're just like i haven't been on stage in 18 fucking months i can't tell a knock knock joke right now and i just like really you know it kind of caught me off guard because i thought like i could i'll tell you that bear story any time of the you know night or day but i think as well like i always try and give advice to young comedians not that we have many young comedians anymore i can't imagine like growing up being a young comedian in this like industry environment if, if it is even uh, an industry to begin with but um but i always tell people billy like you tell that joke to anybody who will listen to it you don't wait for an audience or you don't wait for monday night to do your amateur set and work on your seven minutes like if the bus driver sees if the if the guy who talks to the bus driver loser seat is is available, take it. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> tell that bus driver your new joke. You know they don't have to know they're hearing a joke. You, you know, tell the to the cashier at the grocery store your new joke. You can yeah. you can slide it into a conversation and every time you tell you get new ideas from it, and you can always add that in, you know. Totally. Yeah, and, and for me I always you know, again, tell young comics like at least you got to see like someone laugh at it if they did or or them not laugh at it. So at least you've got like, you know, some insight as to what a stranger's reaction is. And I, I just don't find much difference in honesty, Billy. And I, I of course I think um like yourself, I've been, you know, uh, doing what I can to keep my hand in the the protests, and we've got our, you know, our stand in the park uh, every Sunday that we go to. So, so it's not like I don't bore the tits off of people in a different setting all the time. Anyway, you know, like we're talking about, uh, you know, I was at a kid's party the other day, and you know, got talking to one of the uh, what I think again, you and I might call like actually a woke dad. And, uh, you know, and before you know it, I'm telling all my cold Canada jokes and you know, they ask me, right? But, you know, the easiest way to convey information very often, and that's a lot of what my shows have been over the years, is just like being funny with it, right? So if, if somebody sincerely asks me at a, at a birthday party, you know, hey, is it really cold in Canada? I'll, I'll give you the five minute set about it, right? Like, <laughs> is, it, is it cold? I, I, I encourage you to hold on to your ball sack right now. Yeah, it's cold. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, even hearing about it is cold. It's like there's there's idiosyncratic cold events that have happened all over the time through history, you know. Talk about the uh, I, I told a, an incredulous family the other day about the um, uh, the Erica Nordby story. If you've ever heard that, I'll uh, I'll do a tiny bit of uh, uh, Stomp and Tom Connors song that celebrated it. Uh, Erica Nordby, Erica Nordby catches the world with her smile. Come hear the story of Erica Nordby. 
Canada's miracle child. So anyway, Billy, in Edmonton, Alberta, I think in the like early 70s, maybe, a, a young girl in about minus 25 or 30 just crawled out of her house. There was some uh, misunderstanding with somebody thought they got the door, somebody thought they didn't. And, um, and there was major investigation about that as well that happened afterwards. But regardless, a baby crawled out into the snow, Billy. And by the time they figured it out in the early wee hours of the morning, where's our baby? It's frozen in the snow, right? So they call a paramedic over and the paramedics uh, can do little because of the state of the, of the body and they take her to the hospital and for a, a period of time apparently they couldn't get intravenous uh, working because of the the uh, chill on the child and um, and they they warmed her up in whatever slow way they do and she is like there's you can follow Erica Nordby on Facebook today right she's out there she's hanging with her friends and you know doing karaoke and uh, she's just like a normal kid living a normal life you know and it's just like um you know people when they ask what Canada is like to live in it's just like well you know it's like it's intense and it's insane and like stuff like that happens all the time because it's just like living inside a freezer for like eight months of the year and uh, so hey <laughs> enjoy they they always like ask me Billy would you move back you know do you miss it I'm like Fuck, of course not did you hear what I told you it's just like how they can function in that I admire them for it but it's just like you know, it's a really intense part of the world. They warm up their car for 45 minutes to go on like a 12 minute drive, if that. And and the drive itself is perilous. And, you know, they're whatever twilight years people, you know, 70 year olds doing that, 65 year olds, your, your dad going out, warming up a car in minus 30 for like 45 minutes, hoping nobody who's like dressed warmer than he is goes to steal it while it's driving, you know, sitting on the street, wasting fuel, 15 bucks worth of, you know, petrol while it's idling away there to get into it, to go get like milk or whatever your staples are. You know, it's just like, you know, you get told in a restaurant, sorry, we don't have any fresh vegetables. That truck didn't come yet. You know, just like, what? Like, you know, it's a it's an insane place to live. So people always ask me that. Do you want to move back? Fuck no. Are you kidding? Jesus. Do you still have relatives there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That go through all of that that I just described. You know, again, I, I admire them for it, Billy. It's just like, you know, getting to the to the to the the pavement sometimes is if i if i move back there i would have an array of like those if, if you haven't seen i'm sure scotland has them the uh the overshoe cleats you know so you can have like uh little spikes to get around on the ice but like that's you know half of the uh half of the winter is just like like skittering about you know and and if you fall you fall on the gravel that the government puts down so you don't do that all the time so you're just like you know now you got gravel like buckshot in your arm and you know you're bleeding and your best clothes are ripped and you yeah your people are laughing at you you got that going on you know it's just like it's it's uh, it's a nightmare it's ridiculous so i've seen quite a few things on the news these days about canada being quite advanced in this uh New World Order take over quite thing. Do you, do you have much it. contact with people there? In the no, country? but I but I've seen I think probably some of the same things that you've been looking at for sure in terms of the um like the the uh, is it an iris check in that they got going on or a thumbprint for um for paying for your groceries and you know we're I think like uh, New Zealand's probably uh, the number one country in the world for um 
for you know testing out these like uh, new world order you know implementations and uh, I, I you know I, I don't want to leap to that conclusion every time but they're uh, often preyed upon as uh, as countries to be um, to be experiments social experiments and uh, and you can't think it's not because we're uh, submissive you know there's just a, there's little of a rebellious streak in Canadians that's something that's you know, fairly obvious. If the if it's there, it's probably half the Scottish diaspora that got chased there from the clearings. So, uh, you know, there's um, there's not much in the way of pushback in that part of the world, and uh, and that's a frightful thing about it. Actually, I find that quite terrifying as far as the the um, politics of the region goes, and they just tend to have that feeling of, you know, they'll, they'll do whatever because they, they won't think ill of the government or presume that the government has anything other than their best intentions in mind. And we have an expression, Billy, if the beer's cold, which basically is if the beer's cold, why complain about anything else? And, and so, it's always what, cold. It's Canada. <laughs> and it's all, it's, the beer's always cold. And, you know, now we've got uh, access to cannabis. So it's like, uh, you know, as far as motivation goes and uh, pushback, there's a lot more escapism, I think, happening than there is actual resistance, you know? Yeah, I think that's definitely the agenda. Obviously, during the lockdown there, it was all for our health. We still kept it off ice and soap and you can still get your alcohol you know and basically people yeah. are just zoning out through all this and they're used to watching their yeah. screens etc we all know the, the bullshit <laughs> tranquilized absolutely the case yeah and and we had uh, a really really odd one where they uh, in toronto particularly and talking about that again um they had the beer stores like you're describing open billy but they closed the weed dispensaries right which once again just like showed an absolute lack of understanding and disregard for the the reason that the majority of the um of the legalization process that took place did take place for cannabis you know particularly the push that i was very well aware of was was for the medicinal properties of it particularly yep. so the idea that you know during a time particularly of anxiety and stress and and the big one that i think you know that i saw mentioned quite often is a lot of people either with or in place of will um uh will use marijuana to gain appetite particularly during bouts of cancer so okay. yeah. you know and that's something that's just like to have taken away well at the same time across the street you can go and get like a half sack of beer it's yeah. just like it's pretty damn insulting actually to the you know to the sensibilities of uh, of the um of the the citizenry so and i just let me caveat that by saying when i when i talk about like the legalization process for the reasons of uh, of you know, making medicinal available, there was a, a large element of that. But even crazier than that is I know people right now who are medicating their own, like staving off their own uh, cancer, you know, situation with uh, with um, uh, full spectrum, like hash tar or, or um, cannabis oil. And uh, and under the the uh, the diktats of the legalization process, Billy, they're breaking the law. It's just you just well, can't write it, you know. It's just like Canada didn't set up the freedom of their cannabis so that you can sit at home and fight your own cancer, Billy Watson. You know, 
You better, you better, you got another thing coming if you think that's why we made this crap legal, buddy. You know, it's just like, what, what is wrong with those people? And, you know, I know well, that you've I watched your show. Yeah. No, I just I watched your uh, interview uh, with the guy in Canada who's the third time he's fighting it, with, he's got terminal cancer. Yeah, 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 my friend Alan, exactly. He's he basically who I'm speaking of. Yeah. He, he made the great point about it shouldn't have been legalized, it should have been decriminalized. Absolutely. Because when you legalize things, then you go control of them, and then it becomes, you know, they can withdraw it or they can doctor it. It's a disaster, Billy. It's absolutely the case. And we, you know, realized right near the end, it was like getting pretty close to the, to the, you know, Freedom Day, the 420 on whatever it was, you know, 2017. And, and it was just like anybody that was in a tiny bit, like the same over here where you just sort of, Reading tomorrow's news today, you know, <laughs> like uh, what's coming down the pipeline. You know, you follow your favorite alternative uh, journalist on Twitter and find out what the BBC will say is a lie in two months' time. You know, it's just like uh, you, we're we're living in that world, and it was like getting quite close to the uh, to the Freedom Day for cannabis that people just realized no. No, no, you know, once they were starting to put in all the different legislation regarding and writing, you know, new Bibles of law books and finding out that some of the actual uh, um, punishments were more strict than they were prior to, and you know, and then that's before you get into the uh, to the kickbacks and all of the nepotism and backsheesh that went on to to have the the very authoritarian elements of society being a lot of the main major investors of the 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 very industry that they harassed and and made a living off of uh, beating down and in and some really you know I, I don't want to digress into uh, something that might you know depress people billy but there's like so many frustrations with with what happened in terms of um that supposedly being at the end of it just to free cannabis or to you know to free the weed how the antithesis to that it became is just it's a uh, plant you should be able to get the seeds and stick it in the ground and grow it what's the fucking yeah. big deal yeah beyond that what do we have to talk about <laughs> like, there's no business that needs the government's involvement in that and i saw even over here just recently in uh, northern ireland they'd gone on a, they're they're very much into a vilification uh, agenda over here as far as marijuana goes and Putting a, a, a child had eaten some, I think, some gummies that are now, you know, not uncommonly being sold as looking like they're for uh, for sale to kids, but they're, you know, they're um, cannabis-laced uh, gummy bears, as these ones were. But at the same time, you know, the child had taken some, and they were uh, just like really playing up. I'll follow it, you know, maybe. Maybe it'll be the one in a billion that we hear about the guy that died of weed because a bale of weed fell on his head. <laughs> but like to try and make it seem, you know, that is one of the great virtues of weed that if, if you know, some delinquent parents leave a bag of weed hanging around that when the kids come over and, you know, find the bag that they're not going to die. For sure, they're not going to die. And they're, you know, not going to uh, be in any way like permanently harmed. But the way that the media over here just makes it seem like the child is, you know, brought back from the dead or, you know, in a life threatening situation and just all of these absolutely uh, it's like it's like uh, reefer madness over here. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the proliferation of alcohol. Well, it's obviously so much more dangerous and harmful to families during the lockdown. Just by a billion miles. <laughs> you know. So, 
again, it's not about our health and our well-being. It's about our destruction and everything. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's yeah. Before you get into the actual benefits of it, that they're also on top of you know you not having access to. So, you know, the, the it's it's just beyond uh, a farce as as far as how we're treated. And uh, I I clued into that. I think probably around we were certainly talking with each other around the same times so when they were like not letting you go to the beach, Billy. Not letting you go to the park. You know, not letting you get out and go in the sunshine. You know, well, well, in the background, we know vitamin D is vital to, you know, general health and the government themselves are like, no, no, don't get your own vitamin D. You know? <laughs> By all, never wander around in the, in, uh, in the park, in the fresh air during a respiratory illness, you know, outbreak back, back in the days when I was foolish enough to think that that was happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've all kind of, well, to a certain degree, certainly people who are watching this show, I'm assuming, are quite well awake. It's just incredible, after 16 months of this, how other people are still lining up for vaccines to believe this nonsense. It's incredible. It's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's utterly insane, Billy. It's just, it's a zombie film. It's a zombie <laughs> film. It's, you know, you have to, they're motivated by something, and I, I'm past that, you know, I, I'm past thinking that I'll ever be able to figure it out, that I'll have any idea what motivates them, you know, in terms of, because uh, I'm just incredulous to it. I, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't imagine, you know, believe, believing what, I, I'm, I'm reticent to talk about it, you know, because I just feel like I'll, 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 I'll get you pulled off, you know, because there's just so many, there's so don't many names. Don't worry about that, because I'd let rip quite hard, hardcore. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, it's incredible who they believe against, you know, what their prior track records are. And well, everyone knows politicians lie, but in this case, they're buying on the money. And and <laughs> then you get into, you know, Big Pharma and their, you know, monumental lies over long periods of time. And it's just like uh, we're, we're just in the the uh, age of dystopia that's... Um, that is incredible. We, th this is an obvious lie, but if you look back in time, they're just, they've been, that's their, you know, modus operandi. They lie. Mm -hmm. So this is not nothing new to them, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like they're a bit more bold with this one, but they're quite confident that they've got people fucking in the palm of their hands anyway, so full steam ahead. Yeah, I think that's the case. Absolutely. That, you know, there's there's that sense that, um, that they're, they're, uh, the term gaslighting, you know, that they're being so overt with it that your expectation then again is that other people would like catch on to how farcical it is that, you know, if, if even a tiny bit of it isn't believable or if even a tiny bit of it is verifiably inauthentic, like the simple fact that the, the Brits particularly are still like using the PCR test. You know, it's just it, we're just living again in uh, in a bizarre dystopia where you know things that are discredited in other parts of the Western world are just full steam ahead in other dis, you know parts of the Western world, and they don't pretend that people can read the internet or other people's newspapers, and and we just uh, merrily roll along while nobody ever seemingly uh, is punished for it. You know, you get you got ghouls like like Blair coming back out of the, you know people out of the crypt, just come back out of the crypt. <laughs> Here he is, you know, and and still people just say, oh, he's probably behind a pretty good cause this time. You know, it's I guess maybe so. Though, and they pull out, you know, in your neck of the woods, old, uh, old Gordon Brown. Wheel the same. Just, you know, 
just a, an utter freak. And and that's you know the backdrop of while that was going on. If you recall, what was that three days in front of the G G seven going on in front of us, like a like a, a kabuki fucking uh, you know gaslighting performance, right? It's just like wow, you you get to do whatever you want and fly all over the place while you do it, and uh, the rest of us can't you know visit our friends or uh, or implement our livelihoods even in terms of like doing shows like ourselves. Yeah, well, it's just it said even in Portugal they said the PCR test is bullshit. Yeah, Ronaldo, Ronaldo has been quoted. He called it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's not wearing the mask, and yeah. uh, you know, I'm just wondering. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my story. Basically, I don't know if, uh, how much this you know, but I've been no. fighting my work because yes, I'm not, I'm, aware. Not, I'm not complying with their bullshit. I do tell others about your work sometimes, <laughs> Billy. Yeah, I'm, I've been so, happy with that struggle. Yeah, go so they've been sending me. I got called for a disciplinary meeting because I refused to go through the zapper machine because there's no need to go through the zapper machine. It's taking my temperature, and then I'm going to get a PCR test, and the PCR test is fake. So yeah. that negates the need to go through that machine, and I'm not playing the game because yeah. it's bullshit. Yeah. So before this meeting, there's this woman organising the disciplinary meeting, and she's yeah. referred to me twice in two different emails as William Wallace. right? And on the day that I refused to go through the machine, I never went through it, I went into work and this guy says to me, oh, happy birthday for yesterday, I was like, what do you mean? He says, it was your birthday, I seen your thing on Facebook, uh, William Wallace, I said, like, what are you talking about, mate? He said, well, it's Billy Watson, it's no William Wallace, so there's a lot of William Wallace involved in this. So I basically went to the meeting with my kilt on and basically with this t-shirt, what really makes sure this is my, on the front of my t-shirt, like, like, like that. <laughs> And uh, killing a tartan jacket and my tartan shoes. Yeah. Went in for an hour and basically annihilated them. They couldn't, they couldn't argue with what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I got it on all levels. Like, yeah, article, great. like on common law, Article 61. Yeah. I've got a leg to stand on. Yeah. I've got uh, 10 pages. I had 10 pages printed out of the story. It's what's happened to me in the past year. And it's yeah. fucking ridiculous. And I'm just saying that's outrageous. Yeah. And I've been trying to tell everyone nobody's listening. They're all yeah. batting the information away. And now we're and here. They, they said they're wearing a mask. They said they've got, a, they said, why are we now? We've got a duty of care. I said, duty of care. Didn't get me started. And then I just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of. Uh, it's like you wear a mask eight hours a day. I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a contagious virus. Where's the duty of care? You've got a duty of care to look at that information, send it up the totem pole to as far as it gets, and I'll put that person on notice and we'll see, you know, where the cookie crumbles, basically, because yeah, yeah, you're going to wear a mask based on false science. Yes. Nobody's actually looked at, and yeah. I can bring in people that are very well knowledgeable. They fucking wrote this book, or friends of mine. I've interviewed them eight times. I've done it two <laughs> days ago with an interview all about why virology is fraudulent and an yes. experiment that was done on April 21st by Stefan Lanka. And they're yeah. friends of my friends. He's friends yeah. of my friends. The yeah, German yeah. doctor that went through the German high courts to prove measles wasn't caused by a virus. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm aware. And why at the end of it, they were basically, I kind of shamed them and said, why am I the only one standing yeah. up against this? This is fucking ridiculous. Honestly, it was epic. Uh, well done. Yeah, I uh, very often reference your battle with the union because people often bring up, like, you know, in, uh, for example, with the teaching situations, you know, the the, the teachers union is, is our last hope kind of thing. I was just like, well, that's done then because, like, the unions are worse than anywhere else. Well, this is in my story. I never had a union sure. guy in, in there with me because they said, do you want to bring a rep with me? And the yeah, phone went off. I was saying, right, what's the 
I've, I've tried to talk to the I talked to yeah. the head of the union for twenty minutes. Yeah. So what good are they? So yeah, I went yeah. in my, I went in myself because I don't have any I don't have any friends there. I just went fucking William Wallace all the way. Aye. Yeah, it's still insulting that I am presuming they're doing that to like make fun of you. What? What call you William Wallace? No, I think I'm not sure if the woman that's sending this is either. I Somebody. thought that it was like, I thought that they're like, got, got a maybe, little side joke on the go. Maybe, maybe it could be, uh, that's one way. I, well, I'm thinking maybe she's kind of supporting me and calling me that or, you know. Oh, I, I don't that know. would be nice. Yeah, cool. cool. Yeah, this, woman, just, this woman well, who came to the meeting, the woman that's sending this thing, cool. she asked me to call her for any help and I did call her. She seemed very helpful. Oh, great. So, okay, I, okay, yeah. I don't I know. Was, I, I was taking a I piss take, you know. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not sure what that is, but just me. Oh, Billy Wallace is here. Uh, <laughs> it was just weird that guy called me on the day uh, this happened, and in that email, they're saying, well, what, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, so of then it just made me dress up in a kilt, and I never really told them why I was like that. So it kind of put yeah. on the back foot straight away. Then they yeah. asked me, I wound up at a meeting about this, and asked me to wear a mask. I was like, I'm not wearing a fucking mask. You know, there's no such thing yeah. as a contagious. Well, don't start, don't start. Yeah, yeah. But basically, I nailed them on it because I'm, you know, talking facts. Yeah, they're talking shit, and yeah. I'm trying to yeah. do right, and they're doing evil. So yeah. it's wild, isn't it? You know, let's... it's wild. Yeah, <laughs> I've been confronted for the mask thing as well, and had similar, you know, less uh, less protracted experiences with it. So, so like, now I've been yeah. like, I've, I've been I, I was asked once. When, uh, sorry, Billy, I was asked if I was um, uh, uh, clearly. I, I'm not worried that I'm going to get COVID, right? <laughs> like. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I said, uh, "I'll uh, I'll go one further and tell you I don't think it exists." <laughs> and our little our little exchange on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm part of that. All the time there's guys coming to fix my shower today. I handed two of them a card with um, this thing on questioning lockdown, my website, and then I wrote what really makes you old dot com, and I yeah. talked to these guys for twenty minutes all about yeah. it. And the guy yesterday, I told him the same. Anyone is in my vicinity now. And I'm two old ladies in the street, nice. eighty year old. I was trying yeah. to tell them, and I says, "Here's this book." Oh, yeah, yeah. And the the yeah. woman going, "Take that away!" The man that wrote that's a silly man, a silly man. I'm like, I'm shouting at these ladies. You have the brain to be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? I was Where's in the Upper High Street. <laughs> oh, perfect. And then perfect. I went to the butcher queue and sent it there as well. That was oh, on my way to the dentist but, because basically I went in the dentist in a tornado with that book because I told them the last time basically to look at that website and I knew they wouldn't so I took the book in this time yeah. and I ran it and raved got into the thing and basically I was standing up against the dentist and I've got the head of the dentist who admitted basically there's no such thing as a virus contagious virus and we're committing genocide yeah and he says he can't force me to wear a mask I've got that in writing but you still have to avoid government guidelines it was like well where does the buck stop then wow. so I had to go into the dentist wear this mask and ran into everyone but this nurse she's because I, I could have got my tooth seen to wore a mask initially and it'd been all right. I've lost yeah. a tooth. I've had the half of the tooth in and she's, ripped it, she's ripped it the side oh. of my She's ripped it the side of my gum. It's like a big oh hole. Oh my god. <laughs> it's just a big gap there. And at the wow. end there, I was saying to her, there's a guy from my work, he was here and he says he got a bit of his jaw missing and I'm quite glad you did it all right. And she's standing there, she's probably known. She says, You'll need salt water on that tonight. <laughs> so what? <laughs> I need a plastic surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare. Oh man! That's what you get for fighting the revolution. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I got yeah, my letter. <laughs> we just we live in the strangest of times, where the uh, where the lies are steeped so high 
but they just utterly can't and they avoid ever showing us that they can show contagion exists at all in the slightest you know well, it's, uh, exactly. you know that they'd, they'd be non-stop with it if they could prove it but it's exactly. one of those like anecdotal things that just people casually parrot all the time Billy. they're just like well you know it, it's better that you know they haven't opened well, just, up just again because hey <laughs> you know this contagious disease going on it's just, everybody's just got that on their lips for no reason at all it's very no, I no, always try to refer them back to the origins of, of uh, the flu to begin with being, uh, you know, uh, uh, believed to be like an astronomical phenomenon, you know, like they, <laughs> they literally and from that point forward, they've never shown that, you know, a, a bit of uh, snot from your nose makes me cough or, and sputter or, you know, it's it, it, not for lack of trying. You know? It's like me drinking 12 pints and expecting you to have the hangover. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but but then me wholeheartedly thinking I will. That's the crazier thing about it. Telling other people, oh, watch that Billy. He drinks you, you're to gonna me. feel it. It's <laughs> like wow. We just live in a, it's a dystopia. It's total madness. And you and I both know how much they would like ram it down our throats if they oh, yeah. could show us the data on exactly that. Yeah. Yep. They would never ever stop. It's just like yeah. wow. And since it doesn't exist at all, they just no. don't mention it. COVID's never been isolated, so you said that it doesn't exist. No virus has ever been isolated, purified, categorized. So, therefore, it's just like calling it moon dust, fairy dust. Absolutely, just call it whatever you like. I like un uh, unicorns, my favorite, you know. It's just, but, like, it, it is absolutely the case that. And we just live in this madness, Billy. That, And, of course, you know, some very, very high-profile, you know, high-standard... Uh, high uh, physicians, uh, virologists, you know, scientists coming out the wazoo, they just start at that, like, like I'm assuming the looks on the faces of the union people that you spoke to, you uh -huh. know, that they just have, like, leapt over the bit that is just the most, like, logical element of it. Where is it? Yeah. If it exists and people are dying of it, show it to us, please. <laughs> And the fact that that's just like completely glossed over by by minds much smarter than us, much oh, just more, more us. credentialed, you know, a billion times past us, but they don't want to like face that issue to begin with, and and then ignore it and act like it's not important. And we just realize we've all learned how arrogant academia is in oh, yeah. this era that yeah. it doesn't think it needs to show its homework. It's it's incredible. Yeah. You know? And then beyond that, and you and I both know it's like not even showing it to us. But now, okay. Show me what happens to Billy when he puts it on his finger and puts it near his eye or his nose or puts it in his mouth. What's yeah? What what do I expect? I'm I'm already you know what what symptoms shall manifest you know and 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 it's just like the stages that they've avoided. It's unreal. It's, it's unreal. It's uh, well they well they red herring and hot potato around like the the new you know oh it's you know it's a Wuhan lab leak now it's like yeah okay then uh, where is that one <laughs> then, Delta you know? variant Delta yes. variant <laughs> plus plus they've added the plus today yeah oh yeah like, it's a new Delta variant the booster the booster button on it now it's just you'll need a booster jack for that yeah the thing that we don't have Billy has now multiplied into you know how many variants it's just beyond absurd and it's just every time a bigger lie than the last one it's incredible we live in just incredible times this brought us as a print you know the july 19th but you know you never know this delta variant could accelerate the fucking the force of the vaccination so you need to get everyone vaccinated to stay ahead of the delta variant and basically we might we might let you in july 19th but don't hold your breath 
Incredible. <laughs> Incredible that, that there was ever comfort with allowing them to do it once, Billy. Uh-huh. You know, it's just incredible. That's what, you know, another like rich man's trick that they pulled off is having people convinced that it was ever their authority even once yep. to restrict where you go and what you do and how you make a living when you're there. And the fact that they like now are just in further dialogue and presumed conversation about that which is already unjust and unlawful in, in like natural law by a, a billion times is just a, a, a sick joke. I call it parsing particulars with psychopaths. I don't do it. You know, there's no there's no negotiation involved in it. There's like entirely we're born inalienable and free. And and that, you know, now uh, I don't wish to talk about it anymore. I actually I drew a parallel the other day with it. Uh, there's a there was a, a, a cross Canada coalition called I think the Dupuis report, but it's really wicked, Billy. Like in the early 70s, they went entirely across Canada with like a, a, a big uh, um, a, a collection of like uh, uh, doctors and nurses and people in the uh, in, in the um, uh, incarceration, you know, trade. Like uh, uh, people who basically deal with all elements of of the prohibition of particularly cannabis, marijuana, drugs. And um, so all of their experiences at every level were taken across Canada where they interviewed like, you know, drug users essentially and gave them the caveat that, you know, it's completely off the record. There's no risk to you. Just tell us, you know, when you do it, how much you do, why you do it, you know, what you think about it. And uh, there's a couple of things. At the end of it, the, the judge who was in charge of the whole thing, like at the first press conference was just like, right away, right away, please, let's get this out. It, it should not be illegal. <laughs> like, like right away, like in terms of how it's affecting our cultures and our societies negatively against, you know, how, how it's positive to it. Like, stop arresting people regarding this. But the next thing that was really, really curious, I thought, came from uh, 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 the enlightened principle that you don't have to have a reason why you like to smoke weed after you come home from work. It, that's not that's not part of your contract with with a free culture that you have to like justify why you do things and and it's you know for me a really big element of that is the idea that like having to articulate it or like convince others of why you like to do something isn't part of the conversation that's necessary to have it's just it's just not even it's not even valid to the fact that you're allowed to do it when you feel like it good you know like and and that's been a real issue that i think can like you know transfer over to to this era of the idea that that people need to justify to others you know the the particularly the lanyards that you can't like get from a doctor anyway and you know the option to not wear a mask a lot of people clearly don't wear masks because they're anxious doing so end of conversation the idea that like that can then be you know browbeaten and you got you know a manager manager in a grocery store jacket you know asking people can you go home and get it you know can the doctor come here it's just like no you know clearly if people have mental health issues the last thing they want is to be justifying it to a pinhead in a public setting you know but but the fact that that hasn't dawned on so many or the attitude just be it's just a match just put it on wow 
like that like completely not sentient but that's what we are faced with just a lot of people that just like have either zero empathy or zero sympathy for other people's situation or have transferred that into the virtue of feeling that they're saving too many lives to worry about your particular you know uh, foibles or, or we're all in this together <laughs> I, I i guess so yeah in genocide billy this uh, I had to wear this room my neck. This was a lanyard for the work. I called him a yellow star of David, you know, because I wanted yeah. to breathe. They had to wear a mask, so this is what I had to wear. And I told the boss when I was getting hoofed out of the place uh, that, that this thing is a hundred percent more dangerous than any fictitious virus flying around. Because yeah. I was getting a coat in my neck and everything. Was, was yeah. it. For the last two weeks, I just never wore it at all. For the last get, month or so, I never wore a mask at all. <laughs> no, I was, I was getting caught in various locations. I had visions of my head getting snapped off. I said Billy Watson died with his I fucking standard. <laughs> I get it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's perfect. Aye. But I've got, but it's just it is one of the emblematic issues of our of our time that people have had to like you know still regularly explain to strangers why they're not doing something that is just enough. You know, I. I'm I'm not a, a psychologist by any means, Billy, but I like presume a lot of people don't like wearing them because they don't like feeling claustrophobic or yeah, you know, like, uh, when like I was they're, saying... they're suffocating. A lot of people might have sensitivity to feel like they're suffocating, and and that's you know to me that's just like uh, that's the brain, right? That's the that now we're into like a mental health situation. Oh yeah. Oh, I. You know, oh. and, and <laughs> it seems fairly normal and natural to not just want to continue to terrorize those people. Oh, it's, the, it's a terrorist organization. We are being terrorists. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. doubt about that. They, they, yeah. they, they rule by yes. some point, basically. If you don't do what we say, the police are coming to get you. They've got guns you haven't. Yeah. That, that's basically the yes. underlying uh, you know, yeah. message. That's the subtext. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're asking nicely now, but yeah. And well, of course was... now... With the Coronavirus Act, you're very well aware of now just one doctor, right, being involved in the assessment and of, yeah. of mental health issues and and the potential, you know, to be to be locked away or at least uh, observed, and and that's part of it as well. That's part of the brutality of the state. Similarly, it's another terrorist act. Well, there's another element. There's a law that's just recently passed that the police now can torture you and rape you and do anything they want to you, and not just yeah, the yeah. like the MI5 and CID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's basically they've got carte blanche now, no comeback. And we were just supposed to go along with it because they write these imaginary rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know we just live in a, a mad, a mad, mad world. It's uh, it's terrifying when you think of even considering, you know, what can happen if you just uh, go through the wrong government door. You know, our, our governments are we're, they're just up to not a lot of good. And unfortunately, in Canada, there's a confluence as well between similar to France, I think, in that the um, the federal police, the coast to coast cops, the RCMP, the ones who guard generally like federal areas as well, like airports, are also tied in intimately with our, uh, I guess, you know, your MI5 type branch, uh, what's called CSIS in Canada. So like the Canadian security uh, uh, organization is... Um, is basically our national police. So there's, you know, been lots of issues where people just have disappeared into the system and, uh, and you know, there's no door to knock on. There's no, it's, you're dealing with, uh, you know, secret, secret folks. And that's uh, pretty terrifying in, in Western democracies. But that's where we're at, you know. 
It's, I think we've all made fun of the States for so long that we didn't realize we were there too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like you, you, you look at like, um, at like, uh, 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 Waco, Texas type of stuff, you know, like I think of, you know, your earlier statement there that the bottom line is the cops could just come and burn you alive, right? That's just kind of, right? you can, you can have a joke and chat about it for a while, but eventually yeah. like in Philadelphia, they might just chuck a bomb from a helicopter and kill a bunch of kids, right? Like it's just, it's a mad, mad uh, relationship with the um, federal government. Well, basically I want to know who makes all these weapons, you know, why can't we just put them out of business? People get say, "Well, you can't have a gun. You need a license for guns. The gun control will just yeah. stop making them." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop giving them to people, then. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's so easy to make one nowadays, though, with three uh, D printer technology. That I'm, I'm uh, sure they've just given up at, at this point. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Well that stuff, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Incre- I I saw somebody. I don't know if you can still find it on uh, on a YouTube channel, but um, it was just making it clear. I think there was about thirty six pieces or thirty pieces of a particular type of machine gun in the states, some modern weapon, and uh, just did like a real quick, you know, credit card and got online and like you know got the component numbers and the you know next day you know twenty four hour delivery in the states. Put your hand out and like thirty six different small packages arrived from all over America and basically goes down to the kitchen table and cuts them open and then just assembles a machine gun, you know, just wow. like here. And, and, you know, considering some of those components can now be just turned in the 3d printer in your den, you know, put in the component numbers while you, while you're waiting for the other ones to arrive from different States of the, uh, around the union, you got the other ones that are just like beating around on the, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the 3d printers go where the, they got like a little spinning loom on them, like very, very interesting technology. Have you ever watched one? I've never seen one. No, I'm just oh, they're talking, wild. I was talking yeah. about it the other night there, and yeah, it sounds pretty crazy stuff. It's crazy. It's just like utterly mental. Yeah, but you know, you can also build guns with them. So it's just like uh, trying to prohibit anything now just gets right back into the choice of the individual and their behavior. You know, with it. I you wonder what's going on these days. It's just like you know some biblical shit or end times or just the psychopaths in charge and doing a quick reset because you know too many of us need to control it it's whole kinds of different shenanigans but just the lack of humanity and the lack of spirit like the brave heart spirit or just that spine of being a man that's the saddest thing that men are not protecting their families and you know yeah. men wear a mass especially men have been feminized very much you know um yeah what have you got to say on that? Well, I, I think uh, it, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, um, it, it's, it's, it's what makes me think it's probably biblical in terms of particularly what you said about just like how there's no souls and, and uh, how particularly for me, how many there are. I think that's been a big thing that has surprised a lot of people in terms of just like how many people have chosen uh, chosen to be soulless. How many people have chosen to just like go along to get along with abject evil. And, and you know, that gives it a much more like, you know, if your Jehovah Witness friend is still watching, there's a real like good and evil battle there that's, um, that's much closer run than, than your average like Hollywood film. And that, you know, 
has parallels that make me think, well, that's the biblical thing, right? Where you've just got like, like armies and armies of Nephilim and, you know, these like, you know, creatures of uh, Satan's minions. And, and it's just like, oh, wow. Yeah. These like in that way, it's um, surprising me, you know, how many people have decided to be experimented on, how many people have, have decided to allow their humanity to be, you know, their basic building blocks of humanity to be forever altered for, for uh, you know, for a song. Not even, you don't even get a song. What's a donut worth? You know, it's just like, Otter, we are living in crazy times. And, and uh, in, in terms of, you know, and I, I wish if people feel, you know, that that's condemning them. I, I, you know, it's not my intention to, to give that feeling, but that's how I do feel about that. I, I don't think that there's, um, you know, any, any doubt that that's been part of the agenda to, but, but I also, you know, think that that's been like, you're speaking, that's been part of the agenda for a long time, the feminization of men and the destruction yeah. of the family unit and yeah. all of these things have been, you know, and I, I don't think by any small part, uh, the attack on, um, on uh, sugar soda products in the UK is by accident either. Just because I feel very strongly about aspartame and the various, you know, chemical uh, sucralosas and all these different hideous other uh, chemicals that are known to affect behavior, known to cross the blood brain barrier, known to amplify the effects of certain other, you know, uh, 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 substances like like your fluorides and you know chlorines and all of these other like uh, toxicities in our in our environment seem to be working symbiotically but you've got a culture that just basically against anybody's permission or interest just decided to take out a chunk you know in almost every beverage a percent you had it in in uh, in Scotland with iron brew where they just you know took the took sugar and to try and get past tax uh, uh, punishments, decided to to take up the sweetening component of the 20% that they'd taken the sugar out for and then put in the artificial sweetener. And now they don't have the sugar, so they don't have to pay as much. But the beverage is like irreparably changed. It's no longer a beverage. You know, for me, it would be a poison product. But the fact that, you know, you can find all that in kids' beverages in every grocery store you look at. And, and 90, you know, we've been to children's parties where there's 20 kids out and and the beverages come out and they're just utterly festooned with all the crap that i just mentioned and and we'll you know like look and take it away and feel like we're kind of like almost problem parents billy but it's like you know another 19 place settings and all the other parents and i'm not gonna i'm not disparaging them but like just couldn't couldn't give up up just couldn't give you know their kids just they're swilling whatever the hell falls in front of their faces and it's just like wow like doesn't anybody give a shit about like what's in their brains at all? It's, 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 it's incredible, but you just see that that's like something I, I, I put you in the headspace of like somebody who doesn't give a shit about what they're pouring into them or their kids' brains. How much do they give a shit about whether or not they're part of an experiment or whether or not they've been given, cons you know, uh, informed consent? Or, they don't care. You know, they don't care. They don't, and again, like I'm, I'm making obtuse parallels there. I'm connecting dots that maybe, maybe aren't connected, but, but there's a bit of me that thinks they kind of are. I think they are. You know, there's some through line to just like not giving a shit about stuff and then just like falling into things that are actually really evil, and you just don't, you know, like you say, have the spine to give a shit. I spoke to a, I spoke to a young guy who was 22 years old at the weekend there, and he said before he started working, he was into all this stuff. So when I was talking about it, he, he kind of knew bits and bobs. But right. then he started working, he just focused on his career and working his way up the ladder. 
And so what I'm telling him about the vaccine and the virus, and he kind of knew, but he still says, I'm just an order follower. I'm going to take it. I want to have a life. And that's just me, mate. I could stand here and tell you that I would fight it, but I won't. So yeah. everyone makes their own choice. And I'm just and I've had that for other people. So there's a guy in my work walking to take the vaccine. I'm like, don't take it. And he says, he knew it was poison. He'd already had the first one. And then he went to the second one. Next day he's like feeling run down in that. I'm just like, well, I did tell you, but you know. It's incredible. Oh. <laughs> it's incredible. And now the booster's coming, like we said, yeah, it's yeah. coming. You know, it's just if you can't see that that entire program is entirely nefarious, is entirely invented as like a you know what's the expression if you if if every problem's a nail then every you know solution's a hammer. It's just yeah. like that's they they have used like you know the the pile driver on a pin. As far as like trying to act like how congruent their their uh, obsession with vaccines has been since day dot against all other, including criminally uh, excluding other forms of treatment for different types of illness, yeah. uh, you know that that people still have faith in in such glaringly, you know, in inauthentic, disingenuous people. It's yeah. incredible. It's It's just like, aside from the fact that it's, you know, you never being the same again. Never. You know, like, and, and, and we don't even know what's going to come from that. You know, I, I, I'm hesitating always to, like, buy into another fear narrative, Billy, as I'm sure you are as well, just especially because I similarly don't believe in the germ theory myths and, you know, and the idea that there's there's something that's shedding or, you know, there's a transmission from something new. And now there's a new zombie film that you have to be aware of the tenets of. And, you know, I, I don't I don't buy into those immediately or wholeheartedly uh, either. But it's it's still just. Um, you know, a, a fairy tale, all, all of this utter bilge that they're pumping onto us. And then in response to it is like making sure that you'll never come back from the medical uh, treatment that you've received. And that, you know, the big one for me, and I'm sure you're very aware of it, Billy, is that people forget, like, look into how hard it is to get, to get reparations out of these people. Look into it. Look into like people from the first swine flu uh, have, uh, having issues with narcolepsy, still fighting courts now in the UK. That was 76 yeah. You know, it's just like, and and the most you'll get from the Brits, people don't even know. You're not going to get it from any pool that the pharmaceutical companies put out. It's your own taxpayer, you know, taxpayer money that hasn't, you know, all the taxpayer money that hasn't been spent on, on the future of uh, vaccines that are also unnecessary, the future of testing that's also unnecessary. That's what the payout to the individual uh, to the tune in the UK only 220,000. So it's not even like you can take them to court for longer and fight for more. You can imagine how you know 120 grand won't go very far when you're um you know when you're you're swimming in your own shit and yeah. you know not able to go to work it's just like it, we just live in a in a real hideous disconnect and that's a, yeah that's a big part of this that i always like to mention billy that really frustrates me more than anything is how like how the medical system after they injure you just chuck you out it's just garbage after that you're just abandoned they circle the wagons everybody oh it's going to be anything but what they've done to you as far as like the experiment goes it'll be they'll make up every excuse in the sun they'll go for you psychologically they'll tell you it's psychosomatic what you're feeling oh your headaches will go away it probably had nothing to do with that have you been drinking too much you know or you, it, it's it's just insipid how they'll do everything and anything but address 
what's actually staring them in the face. And they're the ones that did it to the, you know, so many victims to begin with. It's, it's just disgusting. It's such a disgusting relationship. And that's something that I don't think so many people, uh, you know, have an awareness of. They just think, oh, well, if I do start to get chronic headaches or if I do get deep vein thrombosis or, you know, if I, my lung does have an embolism, I'll just go back to the hospital and they'll just be thrilled to see me and I'll get top level service. And it's just like, you know, they, they might try to save your life, but there's no way they'll take responsibility for what's happened. Definitely not. Uh, that's what the, the whole thing is. When the FDA approves it and the government take it on, basically they're absolved that's from it. all things. They've had four, bill, four yeah. billion dollars in payout in America, but that's the ones that have had to fight so hard to get it. So there yeah, would yeah. be much more, if yeah. not for that fight, you know? Yeah, and, and another thing regarding that, Billy, as well, and I've had to correct it, not correct, but like I like to give people this information because not many have it. Uh, one of the most irksome things for me, and, and I know I'm in great company with yourself, that you'll recognize how irksome it is. And it's always wonderful when I do run into the variously uh, tiny percentage of people, even in our woke you know, groups that are like woke enough to appreciate that the most irksome thing for me to hear, you know, that we hear so regularly these days is I'm not anti-vax. But it's just like, you know, well, uh, you, you, why did you not care to start reading about that? You know, like, why, why did your investigation stop at that particular topic? Because something that I always have to make plain relevant to what you were saying is that people just can't believe or they don't know that the most paid out, the most paid out in the VARs that you're talking about, the 4.4 billion that happened before this latest, like, you know, yeah. mRNA gar garbage, the most paid out for vaccine injury is flu vaccine. It's blue. It's the number one, like, most injurious of the regularly taken vaccine. It's not the most deadly. The most deadly is DTaP for uh, for meningitis, you know, lockjaw and the like. But, like, that, you know, that kills the most. But yeah. but the idea that even you can hear that statistic and just think, oh, oh yeah, but they're safe. Yeah. <laughs> well, but they're, well, but they're not. They're actually very much not. You know, this one hurts you a lot more. And this one just outright kills you. So they're all toxic poison. Hey, they're all toxic poison. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and it's just like, it's incredible to me that people just talk about like past, you know, vaccine programs. Like even, uh, even the polio vaccine has just been an right. absolute fucking debacle. It's the only, the, only vac uh, the only polio that exists in the world is vaccine derived now, of course, as I'm sure you're very aware. And, you know, it's, and not to say that there weren't a lot of people dead from the vaccines themselves for polio. You know, the guy that invented the vaccine admitted that. Absolutely. As as with smallpox, which you hear at nauseum as being the greatest thing that's ever happened and saved the Western world and next to the Black Plague. And, you know, people just pull this stuff out of their arseholes and, and talk about it like it's just like done. You know, it may be it may be their media bubble has, has finished the conversation on it, but it's not finished science by any means. You know, lots of information is still available from the past regarding the efficacy of vaccination programs, which, of course, you know, you look into it even for a second, you realize it's just like uh, it's pharmacy PR. Well, there is a chapter of it in this book, and basically, I've done a whole interview with Don and David, the authors of it, on vaccine yeah. vaccinations. So we did yeah. look into the history of it. Yeah. And no basis in doing any good whatsoever, and all these so-called victories are all hollow and not absolutely. <laughs> it's incredible, and uh, you know that there's just such like a blind. I I know it has a lot to do. I'll, I'll encourage people if I haven't talked with you about it before to watch uh, Edward Bernays as a guest on the David Letterman show in the '80s, yeah, and he that. very quick. I think it's yeah, it's about a seven-minute clip, and he makes it very clear that um, 
the reason he likes to wear a lab coat is because people trust what he says, right? <laughs> like, just, he just dresses like a doctor and people just don't question the bullshit that comes out of his face, you know? And, uh, and that's just like, it, seemingly people's just, relationship with the pharmaceutical industry that they just have uh well i say people's i'm talking like the medical industry's relationship with the pharmaceutical industry is that they just don't even like for a moment question it and that we're seeing that as well billy to back to the further conversation inclusive in our relationship with the tests with the pcr that a, that a doctor themselves wouldn't like feel like they're undermining their own credibility and integrity for even taking part in a farce like that you know, to it is already like a you know a glaring uh, hole in our in our current system. It's embarrassing. Yep, embarrassed for them. The, the plumber that came to the house this morning basically turned up with a mask. So the first thing I say is, you can get that off. I say, all right, okay, I've been double jabbed anyway. I was like, all right, great. <laughs> <laughs> in you go. So he started in there, and basically I was talking to him about this book and stuff, and. Uh, the true truth about what's going on. He kept on yeah. saying, "I, I," because there's another young electrician turned up to wire up, and he was like, "I, I he's talking sense, you know, he's talking sense," and he was giving examples of how it makes sense. And yeah. his wife, his wife has got rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, and, and basically on the bed, she, she's not got enough energy to lift her head up, and the, her arms are so thin, you know, it's like she's in a yeah. really bad way. Yeah, and uh, he was told not to go in the same room as her and stuff like that because of COVID and stuff, and he's, you know, it's just a shit show. And I'm like, you know, you're listening to the pharmaceutical industry and look at the state of your fucking wife. Yeah, and you're yeah, trusting yeah, that we're going to take a vaccine. Maybe there's other things you should be doing there, mate, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. You can also see how behind the eight ball they are, can't you? It's just like, yeah. yeah. But so he was making it up. He's going to look at that site because when you put a few things in there, some yeah, yeah. are going off, you know? Some people oh, get a light bulb, but some people react. The majority are just, it's like, bounce it off you. So it's good yeah. when you find somebody that actually listens, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I do hope that uh, that you've had some communication there that you know, something's resonated because I just find more often than not I'm I'm a bit resigned to the idea that we're just like fringe elements and uh, anything that you you know contribute is is just basically um, pushed away like you say you know just like the, yeah. the invisible shield but it, it is yeah it is nice you know if you feel like there's some resonating with what you're doing uh, but I I just when I think of the examples and I, I can think of many right now yeah I'm I just find more often than not that that it's just the opposite where I'll have like a good long conversation with somebody about something pretty heavy about because people come to me. I, you know, I don't solicit. I don't go out and like, you know, impose myself on not to take away from you screaming at people on the high street. But you know, it's, not, <laughs> it's, not, it's not my style to do so. But but people do get in touch with me and, you know, and ask me, confide in me, you know, what do I think of this or that or, you know, getting uh, jabbed particularly. And and I, you know, let them know, obviously, in no on certain terms how i feel about it but that you know they get jabbed right <laughs> it's just like it's 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 very deflating to to see those you know sort of much so, yeah. i i had one strangely even in the in the family and i uh, that's where where i became very suspicious of uh of aspartame just because uh, you know if you're not aware there's a real underground of people addicted to diet coke particularly yeah. And yeah. and when I first ran into it, like anecdotally in my own life between a few friends and people in my family, I, I like suggested just very casually up, upon being asked like or told about particularly headaches. And and the person that was asking me was just like, you know, I'm, I'm having these migraine migraines or, you know, I'm having pretty regular headaches. And I just thought like. 
I, I don't want to cause no trouble, <laughs> you know. But have you have you thought about getting off the like barrels of diet coke you're drinking all the time every day? And it's just like Billy, they're just like that. Yeah, no, you know, no, you know, not that. But, you know, no, I'm I'm looking at other avenues, and it's just like, well, why not even try that? And then you just really can see that they're like they're defensive. Oh yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a drug. Like, it's a hard it's a drug. drug. <laughs> totally, and and it's a really weird thing to see someone behave as though it's a drug when you just suggest like, why not just give it a couple of days or a week and see if your see if your migraines go away, right? Like, <laughs> you know. And, and I'm just at that point now where I'm just like, you know, you're the one with the fucking migraine. You know? <laughs> like, why why did you bring me into this? You know? <laughs> it's such a uh, an oddity, but yeah, I, I very rarely find that there's any. Um, any change or flexibility. And I think there, there's something else I wanted to mention to you that I think is important in that is that like when you were describing the lady with the, with the rheumatoid arthritis and her husband and, you know, the kind of cumulative uh, encumbrances that their, that their life has medically, that, that I think that there's in, in, in what I've listened to or understood, there's even less likelihood that they'll come to like a, a new suggestion because of the the depth and the repetition of what they're actually engaged in. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that you see mentioned all the time that that pharmacy doesn't want to cure. They, you know, they want to they want a, a customer, yeah. you know, and once the customer is that deeply tapped into that it's just like, I think, you know, it seems like another perfect storm that leads us up to, hey, how about an experimental, you know, uh, gene therapy? And people are just like, well, yeah, I'm already full of aspartame and my teeth are full of mercury and I drink fluoride like by the bucket. And, uh, you know, I'm covered in electromagnetic energy and that's probably, you know, half of the tumors on my skin or in my head. And I, I talk on a radioactive device next to my brain that does my thinking and I sleep in a sea of, of uh, you know, Wi-Fi frequency and, and yeah, I'll take the shot. You know, it's just like that kind of, and it's not, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not vulnerable to those things I've mentioned, but it seems like there's just an accumulation. If you don't decide at some point to have like, you know, some walls up in your life, yeah. that you'll just, you know, if you, if you don't stand for anything, you'll accept anything, I think is, you know, one of the things. That's the thing, this woke culture, people don't, establish boundaries you know it's just like yeah. everything you know everything goes so whatever man you know just in that yeah. topic though there was a girl i seen getting interviewed this guy was doing a tour across america basically he's losing weight and going on a fasting diet drinking juice and he was saying to this young 16 year old girl who she says i don't eat fruit and vegetables say if they, if, it, if you found out they were really good for you and done you really bought a lot of good then would you take them if they're really provably good for you and she says, no. He says, why? She says, because I'm 16. <laughs> That's the answer. Good enough reason. Yeah. I'm going to eat shite. That's it. Yeah. 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 Well, to our further conversation, yeah. You, know, you got to let her go. You got to let her go, Billy. You know? But it is it's insane to me. It's, it's something that reminds me of, uh, I thought years ago, that like half of the problems I'd run into in the UK, I thought could be sorted out with just like a pretty regular diet of fresh fruit and fresh air, you know, yeah. just enjoying a walk and some uh, salad every once in a while. Well, to be honest, my, my partner here, my girlfriend, she was a bit overweight. She was drinking, when I met yeah. her, she was drinking eight litres of Pepsi Max a day. 
So I got her off that, and I got her off the Prozac that she didn't need, but was put on, wow. you know, all the rest of it. Yeah. But, you know, so I think that is a lot of um, weight gain uh, issues as well. I think these psychotropic sure. drugs. So anyway, she's I, lost she's lost six stone just through changing her diet and not drinking that shit. And that's wicked. I, wicked. So yeah, good for her. She's doing about five stone. Now. <laughs> nice. Well, nah. that's, that's all, as well as just getting off the psychiatric drugs, because that's yeah. the the biggest battle ever. I I'm as your you know listeners might not be surprised to hear I'm also not a not a big fan of the psychiatric industry. Oh, that's hell. That's, a, that's to be hell. A, a science. Yeah, it's an absolute. Well, it's a farce, isn't it? It's yeah. It's ridiculous, and uh, and another uh, just another area of criminality that the pharmaceutical industry is entirely complicit in and completely dedicated to. It's just uh yeah. i'm one of those i'm one of those crazy people that believes that just other people uh, are different and and the idea that there's a through line you know the the fraud of all of the uh diagnosis uh is just like um so so uh obvious and ridiculous that it's not even worth getting into to to break through but but it what it doesn't do is allow for other personality types to exist and be called normal you know, and, yeah. and that's that's the real uh, the bludgeon of that uh, industry. Yeah. Telling people they're different, and not only are they different, but they need to be medicated so they're not different. Yeah, given various drugs like speed and stuff like that. That yeah, you know, young children, this ADHD thing, they're given yes. these drugs are very much like at speed a, and at a young age. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very much against all of that stuff. I just uh, but but you and I both know that's been something that's been plaguing the uh, the American society for uh, for a number of years, and now is just getting into uh, to the UK really heavily. I was surprised. I don't exactly know the statistics on how many people are on. Um, Psychotropic uh, drugs in the UK, but I think oh. it's quite high. And, oh, and children America. again, uh, freaking huge. Yeah, but, and, and, and Britain as well. It's gotten very much more. That's so what I mean. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was shocked by because I knew the Yanks were there, but I was a bit freaked out to see that you guys aren't far behind. I done a show at the Edinburgh Festival 2012, and basically I said, you know, like something like seventy-five percent of American housewives are on these types of drugs. Yeah, I got, I got a one-star review, and the butcher uh, reviewed me says that I was racist. I was like, that's no racist, that's fact. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Plus yeah. Americans aren't a race thing, okay, they're all different. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, and especially, I was sexist, lady. Come on, get it right. <laughs> Specific. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, genderist now. You're genderist. Oh, you, like, you can't do anything these days. You, know? you can't do fucking chair, sofa, TV jokes, that's furnitureist, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I do uh, I do encourage anybody who's listening to this conversation to like, uh, it's very curious to look up the psychiatric industry, particularly from the point of view of psychiatrists. I encourage you to do so because, you know, they are pretty, there's a lot of information you can find where they readily admit that there's just nothing that they do is repeatable. There's nothing that they do at all that can be even loosely in the umbrella of a scientific venture. It's, I have it's, watched it's a couple of interviews uh, recently where some of them are admitting that. I've seen them talk about it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> quite yeah, if, you know, if you, if you can't make uh, if you can't make a prediction accurately or, you know, in, in any way uh, uh, create experiments that can get verifiable, repeatable, uh, uh, yeah. you know, conclusions. It's just like you're <laughs> you're into uh, phrenology now. You're just into, you know, you're into hocus pocus. And that's that's and when you think, OK, that's fine. But it's hocus pocus that also sells a lot of 
a lot of drugs, some of them irreversible into, um, and now particularly into kids, but into vulnerable people as well. It's just, uh, you know, it's a, a brutal, brutal industry. But I, I hate the fact that it masquerades as a science. Oh, yeah. It, it really <laughs> likes to hold itself. Well, it's alive. Freud and all these people uh, justify it. Sure, sure. Back in the day, they certainly, you know, they, they feel like, I think that gives sense to the to the more modern ones, a sense that they're standing on the shoulders of giants when they were standing on the shoulders of other charlatans, you know, it's just like giant charlatans. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, you know, so I, I think Freud probably for me was just best when he, um, he, he did some pretty decent experimentation with cocaine and basically, uh, argued which is interesting i thought of it when you were talking about heroin earlier that um they're they're interesting addictions in that uh as far as detriment goes cocaine is considered far more uh, detrimental to the user via the economic hardships that it that it imposes upon them in the you know in the long run with a lot of uh, uh, addictions regarding it rather than like uh making your reflexes quicker making your eyesight more acute you know there's like there's a lot of positive categories for cocaine that of course back in uh back in um freud's day it was i i think still uh certainly in his earlier years it was still like you know it was in coca-cola it was uh, in yeah. in various uh, take-home medicines you know there's a lot of a lot of cocaine about i've seen it myself in like uh dental tinctures just to you know to take away pain on on the gum and which of course you know it's extremely effective for but as far as like it like wrecking a person or destroying them physically like a lot of it you know like speed for example can it's um it's a pretty inert drug you know it's just like get off it or you'll go broke <laughs> yeah uh, so basically i was going to wrap up fairly soon um it's been sure, great yeah. chanting again but what um, just thought I'd get in a quick cocaine commercial, you know, before you, yeah. before you wrap your show. Cool. So, so go out there and, you know, put, 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 put cocaine in your Coca-Cola. You know, I could do it with some for my gum, I'll tell you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you what happened with Apocalypse, though, because you were doing this thing with David Icke on the, well, Iconic. Yeah. Then 12, yeah. 12 episodes. And yeah, then 12, yeah, yeah. I, I joined yeah. to watch your thing. And then yeah. what, what, what kind of happened there? I just, uh, I, I think, uh, irreconcilable uh, differences as far as like what we wanted to do with it and what they wanted to do with it or more so us to do with it. So um, so we uh, decided to part ways with um, amicable feelings and uh, and for us just to, to being in a, a place to do exactly what we want without having to interface. So, uh -huh. so that's... Uh, what was your uh, experience of that? How did you find doing that show for 12 weeks and being an interviewer and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the uh, getting in touch with like older friends as well and, you know, catching up and, and just keeping um, keeping chops up, really, just like yourself, you know, to be in constant conversation. It's so much what I enjoy doing. It's what I enjoy and miss about our, our business, you know, like uh, it's just fun having lunch with a couple of comedians in a hotel, uh, you know, a buffet as it is doing the show at night very often or you know, the camaraderie and the travel. And I, I very much like interacting. I like working. That's, you know, a big element of, of what we're up to. So um, so I enjoyed the, the interviews from that point of view. And uh, You said it was a bit hectic to get them on every week. Was it a little bit of a time? Yeah, I, I think for us, you know, we're a small operation and we, uh, we had to realize exactly how much manpower we had for exactly the show that we wanted to do. And, and there's there's being able to do it and then there's being able to do it 
weekly in succession and sleep every night. And yeah. that's, you know, essentially what we, we're having a lot of trouble keeping up with as far as like, you know, you, if you, if you have, as I'm sure you're very aware, you do a two hour interview, you gotta, you know, you watch it again, there's another two hours and then you, you know, start to ruminate about the, how you can possibly like crowbar it into a smaller time frame, And then you're looking at, you know, choosing between your children and not wanting to cut anything. And now it's four hours later and you probably haven't made your first cut yet. And, you know, that's not even put in the timeline of the actual show or any of the, you know, elements again, that someone like yourself is very aware of. So, you know, now you're a bit hungry. Oh boy, it's nighttime. Now I'm a bit tired. Anybody like, you know, on a normal day knows what it's like where you just run out of energy. You just, yeah. you know, you, you, you realize you're looking at the book, but not reading it. And, and, uh, you know, then t tomorrow comes and you got a flat tire and it's like, you miss half of the day and you take the kids to school. And <laughs> yeah. Just like, ah, you know, and is it Thursday already? You know, it's <laughs> like, holy. And you just realize that like a production, uh, uh like we are doing, you know, it'd be, you probably fire five or 10 grand, you know, at a, at a pretty small group of, of experts to be able to put that together on yeah. a weekly basis. But, it, you know, instead you're, you're doing it with your producer and, uh, you know, it's like um, burning well, the candle at, at both ends. And because yeah. there's so much, I've been working a full-time yeah. job and trying to do stuff here and you yeah. do get run now, you do get exhaustion. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, and then again, it's like you know, it's the next week, and and you're as you know as well, you're you're setting up the next interview, and you're you're doing yeah. a pre-interview, you're making sure that they're there, and the graphics sure for that, and also, and you got a backup, you know, in case they're not there, who's our who's our number two? Do we have a number two? Do they know about it? Did you send an email? I thought you texted. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, where's the guy? You know, and like just like you tonight, you know, you call before the show, like hey, you know, you know, it's Wednesday, don't you know? Like <laughs> you, you're you have to be that guy. You're the guy that. Like you know, I I can be in my underwear making coffee in the kitchen, but you have to be like making sure your show happens, right? Yeah. So well, I was about to like, start with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like one of those uh, you know things that you you can't turn off in the way that you can when you're a guest, for example. And yeah, and so just um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But but we're excited about what we're making. We've got. Uh, We've got another incarnation of uh, of our show, and is you know basically yourself just spreading the good word and trying to have a laugh with it, spreading mm -hmm. uh, spreading truth, you know, try shaking people a little bit, letting them know that there's guys like you and out there that don't think that there's a contagious virus raging across the countryside, piling up all the bodies that aren't piling up. Yeah. There's you know we pandemic. Yeah. I, you know, it's made me really relax around snot, Billy. That's been the best thing about this. That, like, I used to be just as aware as anybody. I wasn't fastidiously, like, cleaning all the time or certainly never hand gelling on any regular basis. But, like, you know, I was raised to you know, wash your hands before dinner and all the kind of, you know, normal keeping clean, right? But but I, it's not like I'm less interested in that now. But I'm definitely, like, uh, I, I don't, for example... I, one of the people I was um, probably uh, boring with my, my COVID statistics the other day, um, he was he had a, a sort of regular uh, little hack going, you know, he, was like, <laughs> he had the and yeah. kept apologizing and like three or four hacks in. I'm just like, don't apologize to me. You know, I've yeah. I've read the contagion, uh, you know, uh, yes. uh, the experimentation, <laughs> the lack of it. Yeah, <laughs> I've read the lack of uh, information that they have on the contagion, you know, principle to begin with. So I'm just like, hack away. It's like it's made me really relaxed. Right. If, and again, it's not like I'd be over the top about it. But in the old days, I'd be I'd be yeah. conscious 
suspicious that he had a bit of a cough. I absolutely don't think that you can cough on me and make me ill anymore. And that's just like, it's a very emancipating feeling. I agree. I'm totally relaxed about it, but my girlfriend doesn't because we were in the shower this morning and I had a bit of bogey there and I was doing that. And you should have seen it doing like that. Doing the dance. Yeah, it's it's relaxed at all. That's one of my tricks to distract him when you're pissing on their legs too. <laughs> Don't tell until they, until they smell the coffee they made. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Sorry. If we can still call you ladies without offending you. Right. What a pleasure as so, always, Billy. Nice, nice to speak to you. I'm, uh, I'm always so warm to, um, to know that someone's on the same page and, uh, and is pursuing being on the same page on other topics similarly, and just uh, keeping your mind full of new information and fighting your union. Really proud of you. That's just awesome. Well, basically, I'm on unpaid leave right now, so that's been a week I've lost, and I'm planning. You know, we'll see what happens, but because I'm not complying with bullshit. I've got no income, so folks, if you want to donate, now's the time. But anyway, good for you. Yeah, well, you're doing the right thing, and that's like, as you mentioned, it's a rarity these days, and don't don't think it doesn't go noticed. Yeah, well, at the end of it, when I was walking out of that meeting, you know, they were saying to me, "Thanks for your time," and I think good. it kind of, you know, was standing up for the right thing because they said they're going to come in and go back to work and go through the machine, and it just says, "I don't comply with bullshit." So and that was Amazing. me leaving. See you later. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Well done, William Wallace. <laughs> anyway, well done. it's been a pleasure. We'll catch up again sometime. Likewise, yeah. Be safe and well, sir. Great to speak to you again. Okay. Take care. Okay, thanks everyone for watching. Bye. Cheers and out. Bye-bye.